Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Moses is saying, God, they're, they're wanting to go back. And he says, just watch. I'm going to confound their mind. And I'm going to make it to where they cannot say we did this on our own. But there was something working on my behalf. There was something bringing me out. There was something carrying me. And I can say that it's the living God. Not the God of all these other people. But it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's the God that's going to carry me. It's the God of my fathers. I have a new covenant with him. But I can tell you, you have to hold on to what he's done. You have to hold on to where he's brought you because this wilderness is not forever. There is a promised land coming. There is a promised land on the other side. 2020 may not feel like your year. 2021 may not be your year. But let me tell you, he's still God. He's still in power. He's still on the throne. He has not forgotten you. He still is keeping covenant. Uh, you know, Brother Rice was, you were our, our pastor from the time we were about 13 till we went off to college and just, you know, he, he, he talked about how parents and grandparents and praying and instilling us, but aren't you thankful for a great pastor? Aren't you thankful for a man that preaches truth and a man that follows after God and just leads you every single week and day? I give honor to you, sir. Thank you. And to everybody else, great to see everybody. I am a terrible media person, Brother Hogan. I apologize. Blame it on the COVID fog. I think that's a thing. Um, I did not give you the scripture, but this morning I'd like to go into the word of the Lord in Acts chapter 7, starting with verse 35. If we can stand for the word, please. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 7. So Acts chapter 7 is my, while you're turning there, is my favorite chapter in the Bible. It is the story of st- the stoning of Stephen, but the message that Stephen is, is preaching, he's before the, the, the Pharisees, and he's, he's saying, you know, you say that you follow the law, and you say that, that you do this, and, and, but the man Jesus that you just crucified, I'm going to tell you how he was declared through your fathers. And he starts from Abraham all the way down, and we get to verse uh, 7, 35, and it says, this Moses whom they refused, saying, who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out. After that, he showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. And verse 38, and I want to just focus on this little portion here. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. For a few moments this morning, I would like to preach on just the subject, the church in the wilderness. I wonder if we could just go before the Lord in prayer real quick. Lord, I thank you, God, for the opportunity to come into your house. I thank you, God, that you are here and you are evident and that you are strong. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just... Make me a ready writer, Lord Jesus, and God, that you would just make me my words, your words, Lord. God, touch our hearts, touch our minds, have us to receive what your word has today. Lord, we give you dominion in this place, in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. 
Amen. So like I said, Acts 7 is Stephen before the high priest, and he's, he's walking through Abraham to Jesus, declaring what the prophets declared Jesus to be the Messiah. And he's, he's ultimately stoned as the first martyr of the church at the end of the chapter. But before he faces that, he says something that seems to not match up. He, he, he refers to Israel, because that's who he's talking about when he's talking about the, the book of Exodus and, and referring to Moses. He refers to them as the church in the wilderness. Those are, those are two things that don't seem to go together. If most of the time when you drive by and you see a, a church in, in, you know, what I always remember is driving, if you go through um, south of Elkville, and you're starting to head towards DeSoto, there's a cornfield, and off in the distance is this church. And when I was a kid, when, when we would go to uh, daycare in DeSoto, my mom would drop me off or drop us off there. There was this church off in the distance, and that church actually has people that go to it, but I thought it was just an abandoned church out in the middle of, of this field. Because when you think of, of, a, of a church just out in the middle of nowhere, you think, well, everything else is abandoned, but for some reason there's always a church that's just randomly there. And he, but, but those are two things that usually don't go together because there's nothing in the wilderness. There's not, there's not people, there aren't people in the wilderness. And so when he says he refers to them as the church in the wilderness, those are two things that don't fit. When I was in high school, I, uh, I signed up for a CAD class, um, that is, uh, auto draft or design drafting of, buildings and things like that. Um, I was out of my element on that one. Uh, I just needed another class and it was in, it was a shop class. So how many of you know what most, this is stereotypical. My mom's going to judge me on this one, but most kids that take shop classes love to hunt. They, they, they usually take your spot on tractor day because they're the ones driving the tractor. And I just did not fit that mold, but I got to partake in the festivities of something called the day after deer season. See, there was always the first day of deer season, and Brandon's the only one in the class because everybody else is gone. And then afterwards, that next week, they would have cooking day, where there were randomly grills in the shop class. <laughs> For some reason, I'm still trying to figure that one out. And... And these, these guys that had just got, and girls that had just got done doing deer season, they would bring in what they had shot and killed or duck season or whatever. And so they would come in and they would grill it up. And well, I wanted to be in class on that day. The day that there was deer season, I felt all alone. But the day, the week after, oh man, I was excited because I got to eat. But something didn't belong there and that, that something was me. If you can't tell, I don't own anything camo. I, I, I don't, I, I've never hunt in my life. Not that I'm against it. I've just never, I don't enjoy waking up at 5 a.m. to go to the woods. If you find me in the woods, please call somebody. Because um, I'm not supposed to be there. But I was set apart from everything out from everybody else around me. The, 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 the word church is, is derived from ecclesia, which means called out ones. But what makes us a part of the church? 
it's not just the fact that we come to a building. It's not just the fact that you woke up this morning and you got dressed and, and you drove here and you sat through a couple songs and you're going to sit through my message. And then after this, you're, you're, you know, you're at the 9 a.m. service. So you're over around 10, 10, 15. So then you're going to go grab brunch or breakfast or whatever. That doesn't make you a part of the church. What makes you a part of the church is an experience that you have that you can match up to. What makes, what made, what, what set me apart was I was not a hunter. So I didn't fit in on deer season. Because I didn't have that experience. I did not partake in that experience of deer season. But when you come into the church, you have an experience that God has called you out and brought you in and reconciled you back into himself. And you can trace that experience back. We, we always go back to the, one of the, one of the big words in church is covenant. We have a covenant with God. Well, what brought us into covenant? We have the New Testament covenant of the baptism of Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost and repentance, Acts 2.38. That is our covenant. That is, what, that is my experience that I will always go back to, and that is what will make me a part of the church. So whenever, whenever anybody asks me, how am I a part of the church, I can say I remember one night. I can remember when I received the Holy Ghost. I can remember when I was baptized in Jesus' name. I can remember when I started noticing things that God, some of you that, some of you that came out of the world, you can say, I can remember when I started dropping some things in my life that were once burdens on me, and I noticed a change in me, and something happened to me, and I'm not who I used to be. And when I look in the mirror, and when, and I even have friends saying, who are you anymore? I can go back to that experience and say, I've been set apart. I've been called out. I've been reconciled back into him because I have a covenant see in Exodus we see the children of Israel in bondage we go back to what Stephen was referring to and we get to we get to Exodus chapter 12 and God is establishing a covenant with Moses to be the covenant of Israel and and it's a very familiar portion of scripture now when they're when they're coming out of 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 Egypt, he's saying, you know, get ready. They've gone through the plagues, and and he says, all right, we're on the last plague. Pharaoh, I've I've hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's not going to let you go, but I've I've got, this is the last thing. You have to put blood on the doorpost. Otherwise, you're firstborn of everything. See, when, when we watch Prince of Egypt, we like to think of it as, the firstborn child, but it wasn't just the firstborn child. It was the firstborn calf of your field. It was the firstborn every, I mean, it was the firstborn of everything. If you didn't have the blood applied to the doorpost, God took the first of everything. Exodus chapter 12, we get to Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11, and it says, and thus shall you eat with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be for you a token upon the house where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you and destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. See, the blood of the lamb was applied to one's home, and this was to signify a sacrifice had taken place. See, if, if you walk, 
the, at the beginning of this year, I got obsessed with the big book of Leviticus. That's not what you hear from a lot of people. Most people are like, all right, I don't understand half of this. Let's just get through it in my, in my daily Bible reading. But I took an, a vested interest in the book of Leviticus, and, uh, and it walks you through how the sacrifices had to take place for the temple. And it wasn't, I mean, you got to imagine we killing this lamb. It, it wasn't just, it wasn't a clean process. It was not a clean process. I mean, you go try and grab an animal and kill them right now. It's not going to be, they're going to fight you, number one, and then it's going to be messy, and then it's just, you're, you're going to have to clean it. And, and it's not a clean process. So when you're putting the, when I imagine when the Israelites were coming out of their homes to put the blood on, they've gone through something. It took them some time. It was not, it was, it, to, to say, I'm going to put this blood on my doorpost and I'm going to show God that I am his and that I'm committed to him. That was not just a one, a, a quick thing. It was, it, it probably took an entire night. I love to grill. Preparing meat is hard sometimes. We just had steak and rice the other night. And if you've ever tried to, to chop up a uh, cube steak, it's, it is It'll take you 45 to an hour. So I can just imagine the process they're going through and, and putting the blood in, and it makes you, it, it, it had to make them feel like, man, I'm committed to him. I'm doing this for him. And not only that, but, it, the, but there was blessing upon that. But, but it wasn't just that they had to put the blood on the doorpost. They had to eat the sacrifice. And it wasn't just that they had to eat the sacrifice. It says, be ready. Because see, when, when, when we, re this re represents our repentance of sins, and when we repent of our sins, you have to be ready to come out of your sins. When, he, when the Bible says that they needed to gird their loins and they needed to have their shoes on and staff in hand, it was be ready to leave. And that's exactly what God wants from us is when we repent, he's saying, be ready to walk out of your sins. Be ready to be a new person. Don't, you're not supposed to eat this, this supper just as a, in your jammies and, and oh, I'm going to go take a nap after this and then I'll get dressed and then we'll leave. No, 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 no. Because if they would have done that, they would have died. It wasn't enough to just have the blood on the doorpost. You had to eat the lamb and you had to eat the sacrifice and you had to make a covenant with God. And that's what repentance is, is we have to make a covenant with God. It was, it was not a nice meal that after everyone would tell the cook how good they did, this was a meal that meant something. This was a meal that was saying, tomorrow this is our, we're, we're a new person. We're a new creature. We're not the same. We're not, we're not living in this bondage of Egypt anymore. We're coming out. Where are we going? I don't know, but I know that it's going to be better than where I am. And how many of you can go back to that and say, there was one day where I was sick and tired of where I was, and God found me, and I walked out of where I was. And I said, where? And people could say, where are you going? And I could say, I don't know. He's taking me somewhere. And I know it's better than where I've been. See, uh, repentance as defined by Albert Barnes states, repentance implies sorrow of sin is committed against God, along with a purpose to forsake it. It is not merely a fear of the consequence of sin or the wrath of God in hell. It is such a view of sin as evil in itself as to lead the mind to have it and forsake it. Basically to say, I've tasted sin and it didn't taste good. And I never want it again. That never again moment. God is telling Israel, be ready to leave Egypt. Make up in your mind that you have 
had it with captivity and are ready to leave it behind. Then we get to baptism. One of my, one, another favorite chapter of mine is 1 Corinthians 10. And it's just for a simple, um, just this first, the first four verses. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is, is preaching to a, a Jewish crowd. And he, he is saying, there's two baptisms mentioned in the Bible outside of the baptism in the name of Jesus. But we talk about the baptism of John, which every, every theologian would agree is repentance. But then in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4, it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did eat that same spiritual meat, and did drink that same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that flowed, that followed them, and that rock was Christ Jesus. See, he mentions the baptism of Moses, and so I, when I read this the first time, I instantly thought, what is the baptism of Moses? Well, he lays it out here. They were baptized under the cloud, and of the sea. And so then if and then I started running, I, I went back to the Exodus chapter, and we, we have that familiar portion of scripture, and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them through the way of the land of the Philistines. And but God led his people about through the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up and heart, uh, out of the land of Egypt. He took them to the Red Sea first. But the entire time, he had the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire behind them. Because it goes on to say in, in chapter, uh, it goes on to say in that chapter that it confused and confounded the Egyptians. They, the, the Red Sea, it's, uh, Red Sea parts, and the Egyptians go in, and the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire actually confused them to where they, they stop and their, their chariot wheels start getting stuck in the mud and, and they, and they, they, they're just, they can't, they can't seem to get their bearings and they don't know where they're at. But they had to go through the Red Sea. Because what happens is, is once they get to the other side and God says, Moses, reach out your staff again and the waters close upon them. And they, the Bible says that they were able to look back and see the Egyptians on dry land, their bodies coming up on dry land because that's exactly what God wanted. He Number one, he wanted them to never be able to go back. But not only that, he wanted them to see that your, your past is gone. That's what happens when we're baptized in his name. That's what happens after I come out of repentance. I go under in Jesus' name and I come back up and I say, wow, I can, I can, I can look and see that this... This spiritual moment has taken place. That I'm, my past is no longer. I have a moment where I can go back and say, my past is not defined by what I did anymore. I'm a new creature in him. I've been born again. I found where my treasure lies. Because the Bible even says that he led them through the way, he, he led them around because he could, there was a quicker way But he wanted them to have that, that, that significant moment where they look back because if they would have gone through the other territory, Egypt would have been able to follow behind them. 
And if they wanted to go back, they could have gone back that way. But that's the thing is, when you go back to sin, it's not going to be the same sin that you, you left in the world. It's going to be harder. So God makes it to where it's easier for you. And you say, why would I go back? I'm not ready to fight this war because he's brought me a mighty long way and he's carried me through things that I would never be able to fight by myself. Exodus 14 and 13 says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he, he will show you this day. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more. No more, no more, no more. I will not see my sin again. Not only that, but the pillar of cloud and fire confused them, and, when, and, and he lifts up his rod in 14 and 13. That's that. When you are living for God, he brings you to moments where your flesh thinks you are trapped. You can, you can say, God, I've repented. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm one to live covenant, but why is it so hard? Why are you making this so hard for me? And he's saying, no, just watch. I'm bringing you to a moment where you will know that I am your God and that you are my people and that I am your, I'm going to carry you. Because he brings us to moments like that, not so we can say, God, why have you forsaken me? Because that's exactly what they were doing. They were saying, we would be better off in Egypt and, and, Moses is saying, God, they're, they're wanting to go back. And he says, just watch. I'm going to confound their mind. And I'm going to make it to where they cannot say we did this on our own. But there was something working on my behalf. There was something bringing me out. There was something carrying me. And I can say that it's the living God. Not the God of all these other people. But it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's the God that's going to carry me. It's the God of my fathers. I have a new covenant with him. And then we come to the Spirit. The Spirit is mentioned before passing through the Red Sea. And it's interesting that it's mentioned before it passes through the Red Sea, but it, uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I've never, I've seen people get the Holy Ghost before they get baptized. I got the Holy Ghost before I got baptized. And I've obviously seen people get baptized and then get the Holy Ghost. I have never seen anybody get the Holy Ghost or get baptized before repenting. Because he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he's, that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. First I must say I decrease and he increases. Because I've got to set myself aside. I have to say where I'm at is not good enough. Not good enough. And see he, the, the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire in Exodus 14.24 is, is mentioned as a provider and a protector. Because that's what the Holy Ghost will do for you. He's a provider and a protector. There's so many times where things will quicken in your mind and, and the Holy Ghost will say, you shouldn't say that. And then there's things where, where he's a, you know, it's interesting. We were, we were reading about um, a shooting that took place. Uh, and my, my grandpa said this on Christmas, I believe. And he said, you know, what's interesting is none of those places are places that a Christian would go. Because when you're walking in covenant, God's, God's going to, number one, protect you from places that you shouldn't be. And when you show up, you, you're not going to show up in places that things are going to happen. Because living for him is a protector. Living for him, he'll provide you and he'll protect you. He'll carry you and he'll keep you. 
Just like the children of Israel, when they would walk through that desert in the day, it would get hot, it would be a cloud, and it would cool them. And at night, it would get cold, and it would be a pillar of fire to warm them. And then not only that, but he would give them manna. And then when they got tired of manna, he gave them quail. He's too good to us. He's been too good to me to walk away from him. He's been too good to me. I don't know what you came in here with, and and you may feel like 2020 is a wilderness, and you may feel like 2020, everything has been upended, but let me tell you, hold on to his unchanging hand. Hold on to what he's doing, because you know what's going to carry you is the experience you had. Whenever I, I remember when this pandemic started, and I, it was me, pastor, and one other person doing the live stream, and there was a Sunday where pastor said, Brandon, I'm giving you a break. And I experienced just random loneliness on a Sunday. And I know what that feels like. But I can tell you, you have to hold on to what he's done. You have to hold on to where he's brought you because this wilderness is not forever. There is a promised land coming. There is a promised land on the other side. 2020 may not feel like your year. 2021 may not be your year. But let me tell you, he's still God. He's still in power. He's still on the throne. He has not forgotten you. He still is keeping covenant. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor is seed begging for bread. Yes, this world may talk about depression and illnesses, and trust me, I I just spent an entire week trying to Google on YouTube how to get my taste and smell back, and first video I got was some dude going, you may never get it back, and I'm like, well, I don't want to hear that. You can find depressing things wherever you go, but you know what? The people of God have something positive to run to. Because not only that, I can, I'm, I know where Stephen's saying is there's a cross at the other end. There's a freedom at the other end. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. Not only that, but when Paul is preaching, if you get to the end of Acts chapter 7, when they kill Stephen, they throw coats at the feet of Paul. And Paul, when he, when he comes to Corinthian, uh, an interesting study is go through the book of Acts and every city that they mention that they travel to, go to that book of the Bible. Because if you read in Acts, Paul is going to Corinthians and he's, he's going to the, Cor- uh, the Corinthians after Agrippa. And, and, and Paul is a very intelligent man. And he's a Jew of the Jew and he's telling about this, these miracles and he's trying to confound them with his knowledge and, and he's, I, I imagine he's giving a very moving message. And he comes to the altar call and Agrippa says, man, that's awesome. You almost persuaded me. You almost persuaded me. And then he comes to Corinthians and, and he starts it off by saying, brothers, I, I don't come to you with fancy words or anything like that because I tried that just last week and it didn't work. I come to you with a message that I heard. I heard from a man who I killed. Because he was at the stoning of Stephen and, and he replaced Stephen's message and he says, listen, there's a covenantal blessing. Our, our, our forefathers were baptized under Moses and I, I had that same baptism and I've seen what it's done in my life and I know what it can do in yours. Sometimes you just got to share what God has done for you. Sometimes in the wilderness you just got to declare, just like John the Baptist, a prophet in the wilderness declaring the word of the Lord. And there may not be anybody that hears it. But I gotta get it out. I gotta declare it. I gotta tell him what he's done. The music would come.
in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is completely different from the book of Exodus. Because it is a book of book of Exodus, if you read it, it'll make you mad what the children of Israel do. And you're like, man, why are you guys doing that? That's so stupid. The book of Joshua is seven years of victory. Nowhere in it is there, it, it's complete victory. They're obeying God. It's seven years of this, just them obeying God and just taking names. And we get to uh, the, the story of Jericho and, and, the, and the spies go in and you get to the story of Rahab. And Rahab is this woman who she, she's, she's a harlot and her family doesn't want anything to do with her. In fact, the fact that she's living alone tells you something. A woman in that culture living alone. And the spies come in and Rahab is keeping them in her home and, and you know, <laughs> the army is searching Jericho and they're trying to find these two spies and and they say you know Rahab's talking to him and she says you know our, our people have heard what your God did for you in the wilderness see they're, they're stuck in a wall trying to save their life and she says our people are afraid of you because they've heard what your God did in the wilderness they heard about the king of the Ammonites and they heard they heard about about these battles and these battles and we heard what they what your God did in Egypt you know what 2020 may feel like a wilderness but God is declaring miracles in the wilderness I don't know what you came in here with this morning and and you may be in fear and you may be in in doubt and 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 you may feel like man this year has just been awful but I want to say something to you. 2020 is, if it's the year of the wilderness, God is making a miracle in the wilderness and he is going to declare something in your life. Whatever that struggle is or if there's a family member that's lost, God is working on them in the wilderness. Because I, I've seen, see, people have heard what your God has done. I just had a conversation with a coworker of mine over Insta message on our, on, since I work from home and she said your church is having having like in-person church and I said yeah and she goes oh, we haven't been back in person since March and she says I miss it so much and she said what's your church's Facebook page there are people that they're in their wilderness right now and you may think I'm in my wilderness and I can't there's nothing can come out of this wilderness but God's saying, no, there's a, I'm declaring my greatness. I'm declaring who I am. I'm declaring everything that I've done for you. People will hear miles and miles away, towns and cities. We've even had it on live streams. We had a gentleman that, that got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in another state by watching church's live stream. That's probably happened with you guys too. It's happening all over the place. Because in the wilderness, God is declaring who he is. He can't help but declare who he is. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Hold on to your covenant. Because he is making a way in the wilderness. This altar is open. I wonder if we could all stand and just give him praise this morning. God, you are a wilderness-making God. You're making ways in the wilderness. You're making rivers in the desert, Lord.
Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.